Hey, Andrea here, and this is Market With Me Quickly, a podcast to inform, educate, and assist B2C marketers in doing their jobs just a little bit better. Because of the coronavirus, people are home. And as they continue staying in, social distancing, and self-quarantining, they're spending their time differently. Because of this, consumer behavior has changed. How people are spending their money has changed. Life has changed. I started wondering, what does this mean long-term? And how do we deal with this currently? Which led me to a TED Talk by Dr. Celine Malkich on how consumers use time. She holds a PhD in marketing from UNC Chapel Hill and is an associate professor of marketing at Ohio State University. Her research examines how consumers make present and future decisions, how they make judgments about the passage of time, and how they choose to use their time. Within it, she identifies anomalies in human behavior, understands the underpinnings of these anomalies, and tries to identify remedies to overcome them. Her work has appeared in marketing and psychology journals, in addition to places like the New York Times, Huffington Post, CNN, and many more. Dr. Malkich is the recipient of several prestigious awards, like the Paul E. Green Award and the William F. Odell Award. I also want to apologize for the vacuum that you'll hear in the background during parts of this interview. I'm lucky to be working from home, but do live in an apartment complex, and they were doing cleaning that day. So I think time has become a, a curious thing right now. I, As I said, I've been studying time gain for the last maybe year and a half, too, trying to understand how people deal with when they have an extra time that they didn't expect. And now we all have it. Right. But we have it in very different ways. It's not necessarily a desired extra time. We are all given this abundance of time and left out there with nothing to do. And it's been fascinating to see what people do with it. And I try to separate uh, the people who are working from home to people who are not, because I think they have very different experiences. Uh, Those who are not working from home, those actually, quote unquote, have the time off. Uh, Assuming they were not laid off and those are not part of the consideration, I think are treating this like a vacation, but it is not clear to me and I'm trying to study that they're actually doing what's the most enjoyable for them. Uh, My casual conversations uh, with people is that they might be doing more house chores than quality time with their kids. So there is just like this need to become productive the way that we were talking about a second ago might actually be making this event even uh, opportunity to kind of sit down and take a step back and enjoy and do the things that you didn't get a chance to do before. Uh, even when we are presented with that opportunity, I think we are not taking it uh, the, the way that we have hoped we would if, if you were asked, say, you know, a month ago. From a consumer psychology perspective, how do you see this affecting people long term? Well, I think in many ways, but it's most basic sense, we are changing our consumption patterns, right? We are changing the way we consume our time and whether we spend money doing so. Uh, We are changing our working patterns and what that means uh, altogether. And a lot of uh, work on social psychology about habits tells us that people do not change their habits very fast. Once we actually give them an opportunity to do things in a certain way and do so for a sustained period of time, they get used to that. So if you're used to 
without going to the movies and instead watching it at home, will we actually ever go back to going to the movie theaters? If you are used to, you know, streaming music and not going to the live uh, concerts, will we ever get that back? If you are used to cooking home more because ordering just feels more frivolous, will we actually consume and go out and eat in the same rate as we have done in the past? Uh, you know, we are educators. We are now switching to teaching everything online. A big question is like, is that going to be a successful experience? Will students will then say, hey, what is the use of coming to class? Or will they say, oh my God, this has not been productive at all. I miss being in class. And will we see and actually move towards uh, offline education even more so than before and maybe even a decline in online education into the future? So there's all these curious things that's happening behind us that will have longer lasting impact on in many industries. How do you see consumers responding to what's happening in the pandemic and maybe being in quarantine, et cetera? One of the things that I'm trying to study right now is the psychology of being in a situation like a pandemic. And I think this will also extend the situations of like other natural disasters as well, where I feel like a lot of us have this nerve, especially when it first began, but even now, has this like nervous energy of wanting to do something about it. Normally when negative things happen, we don't want to talk about it as much, but this is one that I felt like everybody wanted to talk about. My phone was exploding, for instance. Everybody was sending me texts and news, and this is happening and that's happening. And it just becomes this different world that we're trying to connect with each other. Uh, we, we call that the social effervescence, that this nervous situations almost create a need to connect with others, which might uh, in some ways underlie why we're buying that toilet paper. Uh, because it comes from a need to say, hey, you know, unlike other products, toilet paper, I know why everybody is using that. That's a social equalizer. That's a need that everybody has and everybody has equally and it's just not going to go away. And by maybe buying that product that's a social equalizer is in some ways psychically I'm actually connecting with everybody one around us and feeling like this is affecting everyone and not just me. It just makes it a little bit more acceptable eases my nervous energy to, to an extent because I feel like it's not only me, that it's everybody else uh, experiencing something like this. Uh, so from one perspective, I think there is a bigger need to socially connect, which of course, you know, is bad because we're also social distancing at the same time. So I don't know if you noticed, but one thing that uh, grabbed my curiosity is the way many people describe the situation we are under. In, in in simplest sense, uh, I think New York calls it shelter in place and Ohio calls it stay at home. But these have different consequences when you like construed in our mind. When you say shelter in place, I'm thinking wartime and much more serious. When you say stay at home, I'm thinking, oh, it's like it's snow today and I'm staying home today. The associations that comes with these definitions clearly changes the, the way that we approach them. And it's simplest if you call it shelter at home, it will probably highlight what we call um, uh, mortality salience, like the salience of our death, much more closer, which we know changes consumption patterns, like wanting to buy much more impulsive things, uh, you know, very similar to fear of missing out, wanting to do things now, because, you know, I don't know that there's going to be a tomorrow, so let me enjoy myself now. 
and do many more indulgent things that we might not be doing uh, otherwise. So that's one cultural difference between the way we describe it. The other one is I think this distinction between self-quarantining and social distancing. When people talk about quarantine, they're really referring oftentimes to a two-week period. They say, I'm self-isolating or self-quarantining for two weeks. It feels like a limited time. Whereas when we say social distancing in general, that seems like an indefinite amount of time, right? We don't know how long that's going to last. We have been told two weeks in some states, four weeks in other states. Some people, you know, in our university, they forbid travel all the way till uh, June. Maryland, I think, canceled all of the students' uh, elementary school classes until the end of semester. So that's a more indefinite amount of time. My own research tells us that if we perceive time limited versus indefinite, actually has consequences in how long it feels and what we choose to do with them. And I think one of the things that's happening is those people who see it as a limited time, ironically give themselves uh, permission to treat it like a vacation. And they might actually you know, stop being offline, online altogether they might actually be, you know, disconnecting from work and actually treating it like a vacation for the first time in a very long time compared to those who view this as an indefinite amount of time that we are working from home. So we are just like having this pool of like, am I working? Am I at home? For me, I've got kids downstairs that think this is vacation, but it's not. I've got my quarters and students on one hand wanting something from me and I'm neither feeling this is like vacation, which I kind of want to, and nor like pure work because it really doesn't feel like pure work time either. So this pool, I think, is very prominent for those of us who view this as an indefinite, indeterminate amount of time uh, activity that's happening to us as opposed to a limited two-week period that's going to finish soon. How does someone who perceives their time, like the vacation mindset of like, this is only happening right now versus the person that's saying this is going to be happening indefinitely. How are their spending patterns maybe different? From a, many different theoretical lenses, I would predict that if you were seeing this as a limited thing, limited amount of time, you would be more willing to spend money and spend your money on more indulgent things than you would have otherwise. Uh, first of all, uh, limited time by definition feels scarce and whenever we feel there's scarcity we are turned to buying things uh, that's at least one of the reasons behind this like sucking up like crazy psychology that we see out there people are sucking up things that they don't even need because they're in the scarcity mindset uh, the other one is if people are seeing this as a vacation in some ways to giving themselves uh, the the permission to treat it like a vacation because it feels limited. You know, we are used to taking a week vacation. This is just like a two week stop in life. I'm going to stop everything that allows us to, you know, do things like it's a vacation. I might not be able to go to a vacation, but I might be ordering out more because I think this is just going to go away. I might be actually uh, going online and buying things more. I might be purchasing movies more as opposed to watching the free versions that I get from Prime. So in any way that I actually can enhance my well-being, I would suspect that those people view this as a limited time 
we'll be consuming more and we'll be consuming more indulgent uh, items than than those who actually see this as just a new way of living. Unpleasant, yet the new way of living. And how can marketers use this as an opportunity rather than a hindrance? And how do they do that in an ethical way? Oh, well, I, I think asking companies to be ethical once this is over is going to be very hard. I think they're going to be focusing a lot on their bottom line because they will they will be all hurting. Uh, I I honestly don't know what we're going to go to once this is uh, over. But I think for companies to understand that this probably had longer lasting effects on us and and tap into it might be an opportunity as opposed to trying to push more and more and more consumption and products on us, really. Uh, I feel like some people will crave new experiences and new products that they weren't exposed to. So giving them uh, what they crave is going to be important. But I think uh, companies also need to realize that if you do it too much, you might really overwhelm them because now we are used to not doing a lot of those things. Uh, vacations, for instance, I really worry about what's going to happen to the industry in some ways, because once you're used to not taking those vacations, it's not going to be as easy to overcome your scare to go to new places, right? But it's also going to be uh, hard to basically leave your house in the first place, uh, get on a plane in the first place. And I think it's important for those industries to realize that the tactics that worked in the past, like speaking to your emotional, visceral self, might not be what will get you to consume next. When I see that vacation in Mexico, I might feel like, oh my God, the beach looks great. I can imagine myself spinning a margarita at the beach there. But that is not the driver of my decisions anymore. It's the scare, right? So we need to address the scare part before we can actually address the temptation part. And that's a very different marketing tactic than when we are used to dealing with these indulgent consumptions like vacations. And I think it's going to be very, very important for marketers to realize that the motivations on their uh, behaviors are changing uh, and, and they have to be uh, on top of that. And how about you talked a little bit about after, how about like the during, right? When we're all in quarantine and we're all on our phones and we're all you know, using our time to maybe window shop on the internet? My guess uh, is, so there are two things happening. One of them is we are not physically out there and doing a lot of things online, uh, which is a curious phenomenon because again, I've got some work on this. Sometimes adding something to your shopping cart might just actually give you the pleasure of buying without even actually buying, right? So simply putting things into your cart and feeling like you're actually making those decisions and purchases can give you the satisfaction. And you might just basically say, hey, I don't need to buy it anymore. You just put it on your cart, go away. And when you come back, you're just like, you already had the satisfaction and enjoyment. So you just let that go. So that I think is one of the biggest things that companies will have to overcome, uh, especially coupled with the financial crisis that people are basically coming. Some people already lost their jobs. Others see their savings go down the drain every day. They see the stock market. So I think companies that are selling smaller items, smaller luxuries and indulgences will do the best. 
and coming up with ways to make people feel like these are small indulgences, I think it's going to be very helpful. We have actually seen very similar patterns right after 9-11. We have seen very similar instances right after the 2008 crash. For instance, there was like a huge jump in sale of lipstick because that felt like a very cool little luxury that you can buy without having a big consequence but making you feel good. Right, so I think focusing on your product portfolio, things that are small, things that can can give us happiness is going to be really important because we are all looking for those small moments of happiness right now and not like big experiences. And I think the second one is the companies who are trying to take advantage of the situation and I think are hurting themselves in the long run. So if you're that company now jacking up the price of hand sanitizer fourfold because it's in scarcity. You're selling me that, you know, dollar and 50 cent product for $6 today. I think people are making note of it. And I think they're, it's, it's going to be hard to come back and feel like they are serving us and helping us and keeping our best interests in mind. So uh, taking a little bit of a hint and showing consumers that you're also taking that hint and maybe not taking the opportunity to make the most money right now because you are trying to be thinking about the greater good might be a big opportunity for companies to to signal that they are not only after their bottom line, but also the well-being of their consumers. Those were all my questions. Did you have anything that you wanted to add that you think that maybe an audience of marketers would benefit from knowing? I've said it all, but I, I really hope that there will be enough marketers out there who will resist the urge to go off their their bottom line once this is all gone and realize that they're going to be dealing with a vulnerable population of consumers that have been emotionally scarred, uh, that have, have financial constraints, and that have changed their habits and might actually view a lot of their consumptions differently now. And I think uh, research and work Uh, Trying to understand what those are will prove to be very useful and hopefully might move us to a world in which uh, we are going to be a little bit more uh, focused on consumer well-being. A side note on that, I think, is that this is a huge opportunity uh, for sustainability because we have stopped life for the most part. There is full countries out there in Europe that is just not driving at all. Right. Uh, we have been trying to do that for ages. We were trying to decrease gas consumption uh, and nothing worked. And now full countries are not doing it. Even in the U.S., people are not driving as much as they used to. Tourists are not going to cities like Venice. And I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but the dolphins are back in Venice. The canals actually look clean. We are letting the earth breathe and it's recovering itself extremely fast. And I'm hoping that uh, we will be all cognizant of that behavior and realize that even the smallest things that we are doing actually have an impact because one of the biggest impediments for sustainable behavior has been that we don't think our actions are going to matter. And we see that, you know, a week of change in one city can actually have a huge impact on on how Earth is functioning and, and how... Uh, how uh, we are having an impact and can have an impact on on the betterment of all of our environments in terms of sustainability. So I'm hoping that there will be some companies uh, capitalizing on 
how impactful this has been and trying to actually uh, ride that wave and change behavior into the future. So using the impact, the positive impact that this has had into a marketing strategy is something you would love to see. Yeah, I think that would be pretty powerful. These conversations will certainly continue here with a heavy focus on consumer psychology. If you think you can bring some level of expertise or exciting knowledge that I wouldn't have otherwise, please reach out. You can email me directly at andrea at quickly.com. That's quickly without the C. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, I'd appreciate it if you shared it on social media or told a friend in marketing about it. I hope you're staying safe and that this has helped in some way.